This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hey, More Than Workers. Today, we are going to take back a word, and this word is empowerment. We're going to take back the word empowerment, because the word empowerment has been shifted. It has been taken over in business, and we don't like it. And we're taking it back. We're taking back the word. Everybody's smiling and laughing right now from our team of people. Taking it back. We're taking it back. I like it. Coming with me. Like the goldfish and Jerry Maguire. When Tom Cruise walks out, he's taking it. He's taking it with him. Are we starting a revolution? (laughs) You say you want a revolution. Kind of. Yes. But we all want to change the world, Diana. That's what I'm trying to say. I agree. Let's start the revolution, Don. Tell us how. So this is the revolution. When we talk about empowerment, what do we mean? So here is the dictionary definition of empowerment. Okay, and there's two definitions to this. The first definition is the authority or power given to someone to do something. So that's the traditional definition of empowerment. So we think about empowerment within a team. If I'm the manager of this team, which I happen to be the owner of the company, good job. Hey, Diana, good news. I'm going to empower you to do your job. Bethany, I'm going to empower you to do what you need to do on a day-to-day basis. Matt, Consider yourself empowered because I'm empowering you to do that. They're all looking Thank at me you. like, that's exactly right. <laughs> Thank you. Is that helpful? Is that helpful? So nobody, whenever I read that definition and speak in public and talk about empowerment, I'll read that definition. And people are like, yeah, that's what I expect the definition to be. But there's a second definition of empowerment. There's a second one. And here's what the second definition is. It's the process of becoming stronger and more confident, especially in controlling, controlling one's life and claiming one's rights. Yeah, that's a good one. Boom. What does that mean? In other words, and I can paraphrase that one. I think it's a person's journey to discovering their own potential. So today in our More Than Work podcast, our team is going to challenge you on the word empowerment. We're going to think about maybe if you're an employee, maybe it is not up to your employee employer to empower you. Maybe it's not that important that they empower you. Maybe you're already empowered. Maybe it's just for you to take that power back. And if you are an employer... We're going to make the case for why should you care about who your people are? Why should you want to build up their own potential and who they are? When we talk about being people centric, we talk about this being two things. We talk about people being empowered and people being aligned. And those two things compete with each other oftentimes. And the word empowered is the one we're going to focus on today. So we are here with our own Bethany Taff, Diana Royalty, and our facilitator, Mr. Matt Griswold. Take us away, Matt. All right. Thanks, Don. And I think we probably need to further the definition just a little bit here of empowerment because, you know, we have the opportunity to be able to speak in front of groups quite a bit, right? The organizations that work with us and others that just kind of ask us to go speak at events. And we talk about this idea of empowerment. And I think for employees, I think for employees, you know, one of the things, you know, that that they would say when we ask the question, why are you not empowered to do X, Y, or Z? I think they would define it with first using the word, well, they, well, because they, because I think for, for a lot of people, they are still stuck in this idea of, well, they have yet to give me the green light to think that way or to do that thing, or it's always a they we're sitting and waiting as employees to become magically empowered. Like a knight, you know, is, is, you know, is knighted there with the sword on the shoulders, like you are now able to go and do. 
And I do, I do think it's probably a caveat here that we should, or maybe a, a flag that we should maybe throw it at this point too, because there is a line between empowered and then taking advantage of that empowerment there, there too. And we'll, we'll maybe get into that. But, but I think for some people, we're still in the mindset if we are waiting to become empowered one day, I'm going to wake up and it's going to be a whole new world because my boss is going to empower me to go and do wonderful things. And what we're saying is if we're using that second definition, it is the recognition that you are, uh, you know, empowered to be able to do probably more than what you anticipate that you you can do already, or you are able to uh, influence. We talk about leadership and influence. Like everybody has this level of influence of being able to, to uh, use their influence uh, to, for the betterment of the team too. So Here's the question though. So if a manager can't empower an employee, if we're using the second definition where it's kind of on us to be able to do it, if a manager cannot empower the employee, then what's the manager's role in creating empowered individuals then? How would you answer that? Do they have a role or not? Nope. No role whatsoever. Great. Next question. It'd be a short podcast, wouldn't it? Yeah. Nope. There's nothing you can do. (laughs) Completely at the mercy of your people. You know, I think it might be helpful too to think about what do we see managers do in the that's opposite of that. And a lot of times managers end up focusing on things that employees can do or what they know, those types of things. And that's not wrong to focus on that, but we we often miss, I think as managers, the opportunity to help our employees to find their own potential. And so that means, first of all, not just telling the employee what their potential is, right? That means asking questions. That means coaching. That means guiding. That means being open to questions outside of work, even, you know, of, of where do you want to go? Where do you, why do you do that? Why are you interested in that? How could you apply that? And learning more about the individual and then just reflecting back, a lot of reflection back. Yeah, I heard you talk about this thing. Have you ever thought about pursuing that? You know, you've talked about pursuing more education. You've talked about learning, wanting to get more involved in this. Have you ever thought more about doing that? And it also involves maybe giving some opportunities for that person once they discover that they have some potential in some new areas to look for ways to be able to utilize the strengths and the direction for that that person that can offer. But it really is a focus on the person for who they are not just for what they can do, which is I'm, I'm totally stealing one of Diana Royalty's lines from before we jumped on here. I maybe should have let her just say that because it's brilliant. a great line. It's a great it's br- line. Brilliant. You know, and, and, and to kind of go along with that, I, I think what you asked or the conversation that you're talking about having is, is as a manager, being able to have a conversation with an employee seeking to understand, not that I'm going to train or lead or, or, or manage or tell but I'm, I'm seeking to understand. So tell me a little bit about you. Where are you coming from? Why did you approach it this way? How often, you know, if a manager's job, just if I can concisely say it like this, it's not my job as a manager to empower people, but I can create an environment where people can become empowered. And one of the ways that I do that is I have these conversations with folks and I, ask, I find out a little bit about them. Sometimes managers get upset at an employee for not accomplishing a task the way that they thought that it should have been accomplished. And they don't stop to ask the question going, hey, walk me through this. I thought we were going this way. What, what made you want to go that way? Like, tell me more. I'm interested. Because maybe I'm not thinking about it the right way. Maybe, you know what? You just developed a new process for how we all do this. Like, help me understand where you're coming from. And I think by doing something like that, you are helping to create an environment where people can become empowered. It's not your job to tap them on the shoulder to empower them, but I can help create an environment where they can become empowered. Bethany, what were you going to add? I think that, you set the tone as the manager, right? Like on day one. So if you still, if you're, if you are hiring and not that this is all about hiring, but 
but that's where you can really set that tone um, is from the beginning. And I know that we've shared this in other podcast episodes too, of Don and Diana have done a really good job at setting that tone at the beginning and letting employees know that, <laughs> letting employees know, you know, why we were chosen for that position and, and just helping us understand that we were the best fit for this position at that time. And so I think it's, I think it's kind of, you can, you can do that still with employees that you've had for a while when I think they feel stagnant um, in those, you know, those coaching opportunities that you have of just helping remind them of this is why we chose you for this position. And we fully trust you and, and you wouldn't be in this position if we didn't think that you were amazing for this job. Um, And I think that that sets a, I think that sets the right tone for empowerment. Let's take a step back. And and I love that. I think we're giving tips on em- empowerment there. Let's take one step back and talk about some of the things that maybe we've seen managers do that is not doing a great job of fostering an environment where people can become empowered. And I'll start. Uh, and this is a real life example. A, a real life example of, I was just uh, at a restaurant. I won't say the name of the restaurant. And I told the team already, so they already know what I'm going to say. But we were traveling and you know, ac- across the country for a basketball tournament. And uh, on the way home, we stopped. We were hungry. I wasn't you know, hangry. I just wanted to get a bite to eat. Like It was, it was okay. And we stopped at a, a popular chain restaurant. And I will say, not all popular chains are known for their customer service, but this one kind of is like this one is kind of kind of known for that and and it was an environment where the manager I came in and I thought they were just kind of playing because I heard loud voices and they were not kind of playing that manager was actively scolding people for doing things the wrong way loudly enough for the dining room area to hear everything and it took me a minute to realize he's not joking he is visually frustrated you can see him I was there kind of waiting on my order. He said, sir, are you number 132? Like I, it's still ingrained in my mind. I said, yes, I am. And he said, I'm sorry. It's going to be another few minutes. We messed up the order. We have to redo a whole order for the drive-through. Sorry about that. And he's saying this in front of all of his people. He stopped production and brought all of the employees back to the back of the, uh, by the fryer. So he could, so he could coach them up you know, tell them all of the ways that they are screwing it all up right now. And he's disappointed. And I may as well have been in the meeting because I heard it all too. And I was in the dining room. And then he, you know, came out to apologize to the people that were that were eating. Now, if I'm an employee there, I don't even need to paint a bigger picture. You're probably appalled by hearing that already. But if I am an employee there, I don't know if I am currently living in an environment that allows me to become empowered to make some bold decisions. You know what? I'm not going to do the next burger just like that because I found a more efficient way. No, 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 no. I'm going to do exactly what they told me to do. Good, bad, right, wrong. I'm going to do exactly what they told me to do. And and that manager now is creating people who are not only not empowered, but not free thinkers either. Like they, they they are creating robots of themselves. What are some other things, I guess, other, other things that you've seen managers do that are not great at building an, an environment where people can become empowered? I was thinking of another story. Beth and I were at a restaurant. We were coming back tra- traveling one time and stopped someplace. And the, the person was coming and filling our water glass and the ice collapsed in the pitcher. You know, when you're pouring the water and it oh, kind of yeah. spilled on the floor. Everybody's seen that happen before like that. And the owner came out and immediately with a towel and was like, what did you just, and then the person kind of took that and she's like, she's new. She's only been here a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. And Beth and I were both like, 
really like you wouldn't that wouldn't happen to you if you'd been here for a while like maybe not i guess but it just right. but it was within earshot of the person and you know the person's just thinking like boy you don't think i can pour water like you don't think i can pour, i'm not ready to pour water because i've only been here for a couple of days yeah sky's the limit the sky's the limit for you someday you're going to move on to coffee but (laughs) probably take three or four years for you to get there yeah diana i once had a boss where i could do something the same way every time for months on end and then it would all of a sudden be wrong Hmm. it was the most frustrating experience ever and then sometimes things like our opinions would be wrong and that was weird too like I like the Oxford comma and this person very much did not. And so like, no, you're not allowed to use the Oxford comma. I have a good example of this too on our team that I've never brought up, but I'm going to bring it up right now. Don, you do two spaces after your, after your periods in writing and I can't handle it. (laughs) That's the way we were taught. That's the, that's the way we were taught old school. It's wrong Um, now. It's wrong now. Change. Now it's wrong, so fix it. I also like ellipses, and that's my opinion. And Diana says I'm never allowed to use those either. Because so you're using them incorrectly. Is he doing like that. five? No, no, he's just using them as pauses. Is there yeah. a right way to use ellipses? There's yes. Dot, dot, yes, dot. there are. <laughs> there are right ways to use ellipses, Don. We're going to uh, do a whole podcast topic on proper grammar and spelling and punctuation. <laughs> Wow. So, so Matt and I do not feel empowered right now. No. Which is, I think, exactly the point. We actually judgy. kind of oppressed right now. So there are some things that we can do that, that that management does. And of course, we, you know, we we have fun uh, with each other. But there are some things that, that we can do that, we, that, that we've seen managers do that is not doing a great job about fostering an environment of empowerment. And I think for the most part, if you were to ask managers, and I ask this a lot, if you have, you're the manager of five people, would you rather have five people sitting and waiting for your direction? Or would you have, or rather have five people that already know the direction or they're proactively helping you go that way? I mean, 10 times out of 10, they say, no, I want the second one. So what are some things that we can do to be able to foster an environment to where people become empowered? I know we started to talk about that, but before we answer maybe a little bit further into that, let's answer the question of why. Why is that important? They have a job. They have a job description. I taught them how to do the job. They were hired for that job. Why do they need to become empowered to be thinking about all of these other other new worldly ideas, like only one period or one space after a period. That's nonsense. I don't know why they would even want to think about that, right? Like they have a job, just do the, just do the job. So what's the benefit to an organization when, when uh, you know, for people feeling empowered? Like if I can create a team of empowered people, what are the benefits there for the organization? Thoughts? It's pretty amazing. I think how there's still an old school feel for management of like, why can't people just come and do the thing that I hired them to do and I'll pay them and then they go home. Yeah. You can do that. And I think that old school management actually is designed to create disengagement. I think it's designed to create disengagement. Just I'm going to go do my job and come home. I'm not going to really like be upset about it or happy about it. No highs, no lows. I think that's the old school management structure. And then somewhere along the line, we discovered that people have a whole nother gear in them. When people feel really engaged in their job and they love what they do and they feel empowered and they feel their own potential, they do more, they offer more, they give you more than you ever asked for. And they do it in a way that has a massive impact on the company. We've shown how it has an impact on profit. It has an impact on the bottom line. It has an impact on turnover. All of the things that impact your company's key performance indicators. Engagement is one of those and empowerment is a key to engagement. 
But I also think that, you know, the negative side of that is whenever you create the ship, whoever invented the ship also invented the shipwreck, right? At the same time, whenever you are, put a create a climate where people can become engaged you're also creating a climate where people can potentially become toxic or people can become misaligned with the organization and they're passionate about it and they see their own potential but it's not has nothing to do with the direction of the company and then they can become toxic so it's a little bit of a risk so i mean the case point you could do the old school management way of saying i'm going to aim for all disengaged employees and you're going to get a you know solid b minus performance out of everybody but if you really want an A performance, you got to risk it a little bit. And it takes, it takes more work. But I think it's also a lot more rewarding as a leader. When you work with people who are great at doing what they do, we, we talk sometimes about the concept of, we'll call it executive quicksand, is this idea that when you run a company and you feel like you're the only one that really knows what's going on or what's, what to do, and everybody else around you just does what you say. Uh, you get into this executive quicksand idea and it's like, you can't get out of it. You just need, you have, you are part of every equation. Other people aren't solving problems around you. You're by yourself. That feels really lonely. You don't want that as you're running a company. I think you want a team of people who are around you, who are motivated, who are thoughtful, who are adding their own insights and their own experiences into the success of the company because it just makes it a better place to work. Yeah, I love it. Diana, Bethany, did you have anything to add to that or? I mean, what's, what's to add? Don, Don kind of, kind of wrapped it all up there. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just kind of, yeah. I, you I hit got the punchline for a minute. No, that's you good. The, it was good. It's why you started people centric, right? Like, I feel like you just got on your soapbox because it is something that was very impassioning to you. Well, you just spend so much time at your job. I think mm. everybody spends so much time at work. And, you know, right now, statistically, and we share this a lot, it's one out of three people in the United States are engaged in their job, which means two out of three are disengaged or toxic. And I just think that's such a waste. And I think that whenever we use that first definition of empowerment, the idea that it's authority or power given to someone to do something, I think that's bullshit. And I'm going to say that on the podcast, but I think that it, this idea that we would give that up while we're at work of who we are. I don't think that leads us to happier lives, to feel more fulfilled. I think we can find some really great purpose at work. And I don't understand as, as an employee why you would give that up. I guess I do understand because I've given it up at my career. You do it because you need the paycheck, because you want, to, you want the security, and because there's a lot of fear in going a different direction if your employer isn't the type that likes to encourage your own empowerment or allow that to happen. But I think as an employer... You know, when you recognize what other people bring to the table, you recognize how powerful that is and how much more fun that is to work with people who are smart and capable and, and leading the right direction and pushing back on how many spaces you have after periods in your sentence. That makes your life better. I mean, that enriches you. That makes it more fun. I, I think that's a, that's a big reason why I think empowerment is important. And if you want your job just to be a job, then don't worry about this. Skip this, skip this episode and move on to that, whether you're a boss or an employee. Don, one of the things that you said earlier, and that I think is maybe it's it's maybe an appropriate time now to say it, talking about, you know, one of the manager's responsibilities and how I can, you know, help foster an environment to where I have a team. I'm creating this team of people that are empowered to do wonderful things. We've talked a little bit about the the pros of of having that, you know, that group empowered, but one of the things I could do as a manager is recognize there is some sort of an intangible with any and all of these humans that are now on my team here. It's up to me to kind of help identify that and try to help bring that intangible out of them, especially if it's something that that they can utilize as a great skill set. 
within the team too. But there might be a difference here too of this idea of empowered, because I can just imagine the people listening now, it's like, okay, so we just want to empower everybody to make all the decisions for the company. Like it's just chaos, right? Their people are just all over the place. They're making, they're making their own path. They're making, we just need workers too, right? And sometimes there's a line between being empowered and being entitled. You know, talk about maybe that line there. What's the line between being empowered and then becoming entitled? And I don't know if it crosses over into this idea, you know, for a manager, how do I still maintain and hold people accountable to the standards or to their job and not have them lose this sense of empowerment maybe that they've recently discovered? Yeah, I mean, I think entitlement is empowerment run amok, right? It's, it's selfish entitlement. It's, the, it's selfish empowerment. Entitlement is selfish empowerment. It's when a person says, I'm going to be so everything that is, it's all about me. Um, forget about the team. I work in an office environment, but I think we should be selling ice cream and I want to dance. So what we're going to do is we're going to do be to sell, we're going to sell ice cream and I'm going to dance all day because that's what I'm going to do. And to heck with the people around me. And I'm going to ignore that. The problem with that is that you're not empowering anybody else on your team because empowerment's not just about the boss and the employee. If I take away that power from individual people and recognize, you know, what we talk about in terms of leadership, that we always lead each other, we're always influencing each other. You as a team member have the opportunity to help other people on your team feel empowered as well. But entitled people don't do that. Entitled people say it's all mine. They hoard power. I'm going to keep it for myself. And they become overly centralized to that. that. That's not the same thing. I don't think that there is a limited amount of power that we all have. I think that we all have our power and that we can all share that. And so I think that's the difference between empowerment and entitlement. Great. I will add that I hate that this is a thing because I'm one of those people that want old school management to work. I really want to be able to look at someone and say, just go do your job. And like, don't bother me. Just go do your job. But I think that if your people are empowered, you have much more freedom to do that. Like I, I know that I can look at Matt and be like, dude, go do an awesome job. And he's gonna, and I don't have to worry about it, but I do also have to care about him as a human being and check in on him and do a lot of the things that I wouldn't normally do as a young manager or that I didn't do as a young manager. I think empowering people and helping people find their own capabilities and the, and to max out their potential means that you have to care about them. And I don't love that, but it's totally necessary. But you guys are cool. You guys are fine. (laughs) Let's talk about it from from the employee's perspective. Like what if I'm an employee and I'm sitting here going, man, I, I love all of this. I want to become empowered. I want to feel as though I'm empowered. What you're telling me is a lot of that responsibility is on me. It's not something that I am waiting to be anointed with. So what are some of those tangible things that me as an employee, like what are the takeaways, like the tangible takeaways that I can do? What are my action steps to be able to recognize my own empowerment? I think there's a study that I read recently that talks about how people who have a constant pursuit of happiness tend to be more depressed. And I think that's really, really interesting. What the study also showed is that people who pursue purpose over happiness tend to be happier. So you pursue happiness, you get depression, you pursue purpose, and you find out you get fulfillment out of that. I think it really is finding the areas where you're being called, the areas that you have purpose, and and finding some small wins and leveraging the strengths that you're given, leveraging who you are and finding ways to be able to give that, even in small ways, even in the smallest of ways to start off with. How can you impact your team in a different way? 
what can you do better for your team? If it's, um, I think of people at, at uh, my church who make quilts and stuff for people when they're sick. That's just a cool way of like, they use their own creativity and they use their own ability to be able to make an impact on other people. I think of the person at our church who used to call people on their birthdays. Everybody in the congregation, every day would call. Everybody in the church got, got a birthday call from somebody, whether you knew her or not, she was calling you and just saying, I just want you to know that we care about you, we love you, and happy birthday. There's lots of opportunities to leverage your own strengths and your own powers to really make an impact on other people. And that will make an impact on yourself as well. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback of that a little bit. I often tell people that the grass is not always greener. And it's funny because people will come to me and be like, oh my gosh, I want to work for People Centric. It sounds like so much fun. It sounds so amazing. And it is, but it is a job. And there are days that are way harder than some days. And there are months that go by that I'm like, oh my gosh, this has been tumultuous at best, you know? And and people forget that every job has that. And so I am often telling people like, find the happiness and the joy where you are and stop thinking that the grass is always greener because it's not always. And sometimes the grass is green where you water it. And I think a lot of that has to do with your attitude. That sounds just like, just like a Hallmark card. Sometimes the grass is greener because you watered it. You watered the grass. You put the work in, man. Yeah, I like it. You have so much heart today, Diana, and yeah. I just, I really am connecting to it. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> really connecting. I, I haven't said anything because I'm just like, I really I'm feeling it. sentimental. We get to see each other all in person soon, and I am really here for it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to time. it. Yeah. Go to your grass. So if I'm the employee, one of the tangible first steps is recognizing that I do have a purpose I recognize that I do have potential, you know, maybe I need to do a little work to identify what are, what are some of these strengths that I have? What are some, what are some of the potential? What is it that drives me? What is it that I'm passionate about? And then, you know, it's not only recognizing that, but it's also maybe strategizing, you know, recognizing that I can do great things too. I just need to be able to take a step. So recognizing what is my passion? What is my potential? And then what are some of the steps that I can take? And it helps though, Don, right? If that also helps your team succeed, but maybe it's not like, what if a person's potential doesn't include the company? Like what, you know, talking about that potential, what if they go through this exercise and we're helping a lot of people right now recognize, you know what, I do have a purpose and I do have a passion and I do feel empowered to take this step. And it is not in my department or on my team or really it doesn't match the vision of this company either. Like what, what does that look like? I am really glad you asked that because I have serious questions about this. I mean, you know, it's something that I think that a lot of business leaders especially struggle with is the idea that if I care about my team and they come in, I want them with me for forever. I want them to stick around. Unfortunately, that's not always the best path for them individually. Sometimes that people need to go out and discover something else. And really, if you think about it, if you take a step back, and I was having a conversation with a business owner who had lost a key employee, just somebody that they really were close to, uh, this is a couple of years ago, and we were talking about like, what what is it that's so upsetting? Is it that you're not going to get to work with that person anymore? And it was kind of a recognition that really the reason that we get upset of that is because almost because we have this ego that we care so much about you. And it's almost like the kids like, okay, well, you're only going to be successful underneath my wing within my company. If you leave, it's like, you're not going to be successful at all. But really, I think a lot of times we have to, if we take a step back, we could recognize that maybe people who step to be successful are going to do step beyond your company. And I think that's really, really is 
okay if you take a bigger, broader picture of that. We know companies and we're one of those companies that have people who have left and gone on to other positions to be able to explore where they want. They're going to speak very highly of you if you were part of that journey. They're going to continue to reach out. I'll call out Bethany Bishop. Hey, she used to work with us. She went on, she wanted, she had a passion for healthcare. Diana, you want to say something to Bethany? Hey, Bethany. Hi, Bethany Bishop. If you're listening, I don't need, does she listen to our podcast? Like better. Awkward. If not, your dad do us. Your dad. I bet she dad. does. I bet, I bet she, she does. does. But I'll use her as an example because she just texted me last night and she just finished her master's degree. Like she just finished that. That was something that she started working on when she was here. You know, she hired here right after college, took her first job, wasn't really sure exactly where she wanted to go. And we had multiple, multiple, multiple conversations about that. And in her work here, I think she kind of discovered a lot that's helped her in her career journey about where she wants to go. And that included trying to get into a field that we just didn't have in a position that we didn't have available. So she left and she took a different position and she did it in a great way. And we continue to talk with her. But I think she made our company a lot better while she was here. I think she continues to speak highly of our company outside. And I think we all feel good about that. And I think everybody that touched that experience for that person feels like they're not trapped here, which allows you to be more free when you are on the inside. So you're not the end all be all employer and people can be successful going someplace else. And big picture, it does benefit you sometimes to lose people to be able to go pursue what they really want to do or really need to do in their lives. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And that speaks maybe to the character and the integrity of the company itself, let alone you as a leader. You know, we, t- we talk about this is not, not this topic really, but allowing people, you know, we encourage uh, employees to leave a company with grace, but also encouraging companies to let employees leave with grace uh, at the same time. And if you have a solid process for that, then there'll be advocates of your company for, for the, for the you know, foreseeable future. All right. So if I'm the manager of the employees, and I know I recognize now that part of my job is to be able to to find out the things about these employees, maybe they're help them discover their purpose or recognize some of the strengths that they're bringing to the table. I want to help them recognize the potential. And I also want to recognize it too. What are some things as a manager that I can do uh, to be able to help employees recognize their potential? So I think that self-awareness is really hard to find by yourself. And I think it's really important for managers to help employees figure out what they're doing and their strengths and how they come across to people and holes in their emotional intelligence and on and on and on. Don has told me many times that my face tells a lot in meetings and that I have to watch my face because I will do things like I'll make the like, oh, face, you know, and like, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> or I'll very clearly be like, nope, don't like that. Don't like that with just my face. And it's something that no one else ever pointed out to me. I would never have known that I was doing that because you just don't know what you're doing in those moments. That reminds me, we should should play poker while we're all together (laughs) this week. We should play, get a poker game. Yeah. I I don't, I don't, I don't have a poker face. I am very, you will always know what I'm thinking. I have very expressive eyebrows. That I think I think it's been helpful for Don as my leader to point out things that I a do really well that I didn't think about doing well because it's just part of something that I've always done. Or he points out the things that I could use improvement on, and he helps me be more aware of myself and my strengths. And I think that has been a huge gift, and definitely ways that I have helped 
figure out where I want to go and how I want to change and where I want to lead. So that sounds like it's not just the ongoing communication that we always, you know, encourage there from manager to employee, but there's a sense of transparency there too, a little psychological safety, a little vulnerability uh, there to be able to identify it. If I'm a manager of people, I don't want you to get caught up into the idea of, oh man, I have to find everybody's potential. I'll be honest with you. Some folks, you know, just want to go to work and they love their job and they just, you know, they love what they do and they just want to go home. And you know what? I'm going to do a great job tomorrow too. But I think for, for others, they're searching. They're looking at, you know, where do they fit in? Yes, I have a job description and they might even be killing it on the scorecard, but they might be going, man, where do I fit in in the overall big picture here? I feel like I have more to bring to the table. You know, I feel like there's something else that I could potentially be doing other than the, the place that they have, you know, I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to use the term pigeonholed, but I, you know, I feel like there's more to offer than what it is that I'm currently offering. And so if you are the manager of people, we can maybe give some tips. I like that. Encourage the conversation, but encourage some transparency, encourage some of that uh, vulnerability as well. And I would maybe, I would add, maybe just, just ask the question. Just ask the question, you know, how are things going? You know, are there some things that you're not having the opportunity to be able to do uh, that you think you might want to do? Don, I'll use you as an example. We maybe have brought this up before, but you share the classic story and I love to hear it every time, but it was like a performance evaluation that you had and they asked the question, what do you ultimately want to do? And you wrote CEO of the company and they you know, basically scribbled it out and said, no, that's, let's be serious, Don. Uh, what is it that you actually want to do? You know, ask the question, what are the things that you want to accomplish? I mean, think about that. It's a silly scenario, but what, what would have been more impactful than going, wow, CEO, then now I can ask the next questions, right? What do you think it takes to be the CEO of a company? What are the thing? what do you think the things that you possess now, maybe the, the traits that you have now or the skill sets now line up with being a CEO? What are some things that maybe you feel like you have gaps in? And then how do we develop a plan to be able to help you get there? Like, man, what a, what a much more powerful conversation. Um, yes, it takes time. And I know for managers going, I don't have time to have that kind of conversation with everybody. Well, then we're kind of getting what we're getting then, and we can repeat that behavior, right? But it does, does take additional time if we want to have those types of conversations too. Don, it's your story. Did you want to add anything to that? No, I'm just, I'm CEO now. I'll say, I'll say that. <laughs> you should call that guy back. What so would gonna, you do? Yeah. What would you do if Matt was like, I want to be CEO? I want to be CEO someday. <laughs> I'd be like, well. Of this company. How long? So- how long? <laughs> how long are you going to ride this out? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could think of better titles than CEO. I could up it, master of the universe. Then you guys could slide into other jobs. We just keep up, upping the titles, get better and better and better. Yeah. yeah. yeah, They're good conversations. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, that and it, you're right. I look back at that conversation a lot. And a lot of times I tell that story about how demotivational that was for me. I mean, I ultimately left that company. Yeah. You know, I ultimately left that company and, and maybe I could have stayed in there and been successful. I'm kind of glad it ended up, it ended up pretty good from the story there. But I mean, there's, there's a reason that you want to ask those questions. I mean, I'm just looking around on this call here. I mean, Matt, when he came in, he came in as an engagement specialist and focused primarily on seeing clients and working through things. He's grown into some business development activities, which has been awesome. Bethany came in primarily as an engagement specialist, but she's grown more into her coaching practices. And then she started a tributaries program for us and has worked towards that, has also helped us a lot with like the marketing space from her past live and some experience with that. Uh, Diana came in, she was just, she was just crying in a little basket. Like she couldn't even do anything. (laughs) And she came in and we brought her in and, you know, taught her how to speak and all that kind of stuff. 
That is false. That is false. Not but good. she came in as an office manager and said initially, like, we're, oh, you're not going to, I remember, like, you're not going to see clients. We're not going to be in front of everything. Like, just help us at the office and all that. And Diana grew into a, a COO position with great executive insight. And then, you know, myself coming in the position, I've been told even while I was at people centric, like, well, Don should never be the one person in charge of the team. You know, it's not, it's not a good idea for him to lead other people. And I think we grow into our own potential and that journey is kind of fun. And you think about all the extra things that everybody on this team, all four of us do, and those all would be lost right now if we didn't have that culture of empowerment. All those extra things that we do beyond what we were all hired to come in to do here would have been lost. And all of the success that has come for us because of all those extra things that all of us did and how much, how rewarding that's all been. I think that's, that's been key. It's, it's the alternative of looking at it like, oh, I hired Diana for this position and that's what Diana needs to do. Diana doesn't have an education for going to go do this, this, and this, or Matt doesn't have the education for going to this, or Bethany doesn't have the education or whatever it is, or you don't know, you haven't been in those positions before, so I'm not gonna put you in that position. The very traditional approach that a lot of times employers use to take the human side, to take the people side out of the promotions, uh, and instead of looking at somebody's potential and just maybe sometimes looking at it saying, you know what, I do think that person could do this. Or I could create a set of experiences where that person could work their way to that point. It's, it's just so rewarding to do it. It's hard for me to remember why anyone wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And so far in that direction, it's hard for me to understand when people don't, don't want to do that. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll add this though to, to uh, what Don was just talking about there, uh, because it's, it also is very closely tied to, man, we know the vision. We know the core values. I think we're all equally passionate about what it is that we do. And so I say this to say, yes, I think, you know, if you're in a job right now that, I don't know, maybe you don't see yourself staying there for the career. There's probably some more meat on the bone there though, so to speak of things that you could do. But for us, it's like, we're driven by, you know, the, the jobs and the impact and the vision of what it is that we get to go and do. And that's, you have to, I guess what I'm trying to say is in order for you to feel fully empowered, you have to kind of want to at the same time, you have to kind of want it. You have to see it and you have to kind of want it. And maybe if you're in a place where I don't see it and I don't really want it, like I'm just grinding through the end of the day, then maybe this is your green light to say, well, then explore what it is that makes you kind of want to, and then take a step towards that. Yeah. And I would add to that. I just recently put a LinkedIn post out that basically said like, if you don't like your job, So if you're listening to this and going, I wish my employer empowered me or let me be empowered better yet, right? Then step one is I'm going to challenge you to do your job better and do it with a better attitude. Start with that. Sometimes people, it's not the situation. If you take an unhappy person out of a job and put them into a different job, a lot of times you'll just find you bring the unhappy with you. You bring your lack of clarity about who you are and what you're doing and you bring that with you. That's not something that people find in a company. Uh, a lot of that you have to find for yourself. So I challenge you to first do your job really well and do it with a good attitude and see if that makes it better. If you do those things and you start to find some of those successes, but still the company isn't supportive for you, or it's not the right direction for you, then it's a good time for you to move. Like make your jump in a healthy place, not an unhealthy place of going around saying, why are these employers all terrible? You know, the, the common denominator in all those bad jobs that you've had is you. Mm. Uh, that's, that's, that's a hard truth, but it's true. That's a probably a whole nother podcast at the same time too. So anyway, other uh, closing thoughts, anything to wrap up here, or do you think we've covered the conversation? Bethany, what were we going to add? All I was going to add is I just managers not to 
to be afraid of those conversations. I think that there's been conversations, I think about, you know, past positions that I've been into where I brought ideas or I had, you know, or I thought, oh, I want to explore this part, this other part that's actually not part of my job. But I think it's really, you know, we kind of, this kind of goes to our previous episode actually, but I saw opportunity or I saw a need within the organization and I was like, that would be really cool. I'm going to add to that or I'm going to work on that. Or I have these other ideas that I think would be really cool within our position or for for our team or whatever. And the conversations didn't always go the way that I had hoped they would go in those positions with my managers. And it sort of seemed like they were overwhelmed. Um, So maybe that was my fault. I don't know. But I just think for managers, don't be afraid of what those conversations are. It's just how you have, it's just how you direct your employees from there and, and, and sort of how you can offer support and how you can help them reach that potential versus just being like, oh my gosh, that seems like a lot, or I, that's not what your position is, or I don't ever see you in that role, or whatever it is, whatever the situation is, just find find a way to support them in their growth towards that thing. It doesn't have to be scary or overwhelming. Great. All right. Uh, well, we hope you uh, you know left with some tips, whether you're the manager of the team and you're looking to grow the team and, and help create an environment where they can feel empowered, uh, your employees can feel empowered to be able to take more space and help you accomplish great things together. Or if you're an employee, hopefully you have some action items, some things to think about, you know, discovering what it is your purpose is, what it is that, uh, you know, drives you and then be able to have that conversation with your employer as well. So, We appreciate you listening in. Be looking for more episodes. And as always, feel free to let us know of other topics you would like us to discuss. Until then, have a great day. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.